welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after, but rarely explored. And I have with me here, as always, my lovely co-host, Alyssa. Hi, Snow Angels. I'm sure you can tell this episode's a little bit different. We are going to be doing a full ASMR episode, and we're going to be reading our favorite holiday stories. Now, I think Joss and I can agree, we love holiday stories. Um, But these are one of our favorites, are near and dear to our hearts. So we are going to spend probably a good 30 or 45 minutes and just read some good Christmas stories to you guys. So sit back, unwind, and you can just listen to the soothing sound of us reading a story to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I am going to start off. I love this book. Um... It originally started with my grandmother. She gave me If You Give a Pig a Pancake. And I actually got another set in the series from my sister at Christmas time. And this is the book I'm going to be reading to you. It's If You Take a Mouse to the Movies. It's by Laura Numeroff. Illustrated by Felicia Bond. If you take a mouse to the movies, if you take a mouse to the movies, he'll ask you for some popcorn. When you give him the popcorn, he'll want to string it all together. Then he'll want to hang it on a Christmas tree. You'll have to buy him one. On the way home, he'll see a snowman in your neighbor's yard. He'll want to make one of his own. Then he'll need a carrot for a nose. When he's all finished, he'll decide to build a fort. He'll ask you to help him. Then he'll want to make some snowballs and have a snowball fight. Playing outside will make him cold. He'll want to go inside and curl up on the couch. He'll ask you for a blanket. Once he's nice and cozy, he'll want to listen to Christmas carols. You'll have to find some on the radio. He'll probably sing along. The carols will remind him of his Christmas tree, so he'll want to make ornaments. You'll get him some paper and glue. He'll ask you for glitter. When the ornaments are done, he'll hang them all up. Then he'll stand back to look at the tree. He'll notice his popcorn string is missing. So he'll want to make another one. He'll ask you for some popcorn. And chances are, when you give him the popcorn, he'll want you to take him to the movies. And that's the end. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and read you my favorite Christmas story which is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I think is a beautiful, classic Christmas story and one that's really close to my heart because my dad used to read this to me and every Christmas we would get the whole family together and sit around and watch the actual original How the Grinch Stole Christmas movie. Um, So here it goes. How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss.
down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the cringe who lived just north of Whoville did not. The cringe hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming, I must find a way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their toys and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's, young and old, would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on Who pudding and rare Who roast beast, which was something the Grinch could stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all, Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop the whole thing. Why, for 53 years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Crinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Crinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. And he chuckled and clucked, but what a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I'll look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No. The Grinch simply said, if I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max, then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Kadap! And the sleigh started down toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air, all the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, this is stop number one, the old Grinchy Claws hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. 
Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch, but if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once for a moment or two, then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little who stockings all hung in a row, these stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. And then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn, and plums. And he stuffed them in a bag, then the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags, one by one, up the chimney. Then he slunk to the icebox, he took the Who's Feast, he took the Who Pudding, he took the Roast Beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash, why that Grinch even took their last can of Who Hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee, and now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why, why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied, there's a light on this tree that won't light on one side, so I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here. And his fib folded child, then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was a log for their fire, and he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire, and the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other who houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other whose mouses. It was quarter past dawn, all the who's still abed, all the who's still a snooze when he packed up his sled. Packed it up with their presents, their ribbons, the wrappings, the tags, the tinsel, the trimmings, the tappings. 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. Poo poo to the who's, he was grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up, I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry boo hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so. 
But the sound wasn't sad, why the sound sounded merry, it couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville, the Grinch popped his eyes, then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was seeing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming, it came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore, and the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he... He himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beef. And that's the end. Alright, my lovelies. I'm coming back for a second story. I'm going to be reading The Polar Express. One that is, again, dear to my heart. I still believe. Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound a friend had told me I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There is no Santa, my friend had insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night, I did hear sounds, though not of ringing bells. From outside came a sound of hissing steam and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still in front of my house. It was wrapped in an apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took a large pocket watch from his vest, then looked up at my window. I put on my slippers and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the door. All aboard, the conductor cried out. I ran up to him. Well, he said, are you coming? Where, I asked. Why, to the North Pole, of course, was his answer. This is the Polar Express. I took his outstretched hand and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nougat centers as white as snow. We drank hot cocos as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of town and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express raced northward. Soon, there was no more light to be seen. We traveled through cold, dark forests, 
where lean wolves roamed and white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed mountains so high it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills, the hills took snow-covered plains. We crossed a barren desert of ice, the great polar ice cap. Lights appeared in the distance. They looked like the lights of a strange ocean liner sailing over a frozen sea. There, said the conductor, is the North Pole. The North Pole. It was a huge city standing alone at the top of the world filled with factories where every Christmas toy was made. At first, we saw no elves. They are gathering at the center of the city, the conductor told us. That is where Santa will give the first gift of Christmas. Who receives the first gift, we all asked. The conductor answered, he will choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves. Outside, we saw a hundred of elves. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crawl, so crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no further, we stopped and the conductor led us outside. We pressed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. In front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced, ringing the silver sleigh bells that hung from the harnesses. It was a magical sound, like nothing I'd ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart and Santa Claus appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us and pointing to me, he said, let's have this fellow here. He jumped into his sleigh. The conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee and he asked, Now, what would you like for Christmas? I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine, but the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug and told an elf to cut a bell from a reindeer's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. He stood holding the bell high above him and called, the first gift of Christmas. A clock struck midnight as the elves roared their approval. Santa handed the bell to me and I put it in my bathrobe pocket. The conductor helped me down from the sleigh Santa shouted out the reindeer's names and cracked his whip. His team charged forward and climbed into the air. Santa circled once above us, then disappeared in the cold, dark polar sky. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked me to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa Claus's sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said, but the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way home.
It broke my heart to lose the bell. When the train reached my house, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor said something from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. What? I yelled. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Merry Christmas, he shouted. The Polar Express let a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one last small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was the silver bell. There was a note. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. I shook the bell. It made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard. But my mother said, oh, that's too bad. Yes, my father said, it's broken. When I'd shaken the bell, my parents had not heard a sound. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, bell still rings for me as it does for all who truly believe the end we hope you've enjoyed our stories today I hope follow rate like and subscribe you can follow us on instagram tiktok and twitter at tabletalks.podcast jocelyn and i both want to wish you a most merry of holidays and we'll see you next week